Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant. Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by Applied Software. We are coming live again from uh, MEP Force Virtual 2020. And we get the honor of kicking off our virtual house party here uh, Tuesday night at MEP Force. Not the same as the party in the park, but I think this one's going to be just as entertaining. I'm, uh, I'm joined again by our, our special MEP Force panel, Nathan Wood. Rob McKenney, Travis Foss, and James Simpson. Welcome back, guys. Who are yeah, these imposters you have with you? Who else do I see here? <laughs> Looks like we got some some special guests joining us along yeah. the way as well. And Brett rocking the, the CPC shirt there. Right. I like it. Hey, z- yeah, z- Zoom shared pains bingo. We'll see who wins. Nice. Well, let's start with the, the keynote today, Evolving Industries. Uh, you know, one of the, the big things I uh, got from that was breaking down silos and, and really getting some shared information across the teams The hints at the Evolve Foresight announcement, but I'd love to, to get all of your thoughts on evolving industry keynotes. Well, I got to tell you something first. I was highly impressed with what Mr. Smith said about taking care of everyone's health this year and the livers. It was very telling statement for those yeah. of us that have been on the road a long time of, yeah, uh, if we're at home wait a minute, I'm not so sure everyone that's at home, their liver's that much better off. Let's just be honest. Because <laughs> well, at an event, you get them by the drink. At home, you can literally have the bottle sitting at the desk. I don't know. But, that's yeah. true. And it's been after months of quarantine now, too. Yeah. So right. <laughs> we're, we're, Maybe we built up a tolerance. <laughs> a very interesting uh, tip there at the beginning, but I'm very curious to hear more about the announcement of what is this foresight thing? Uh, I think I kind of understood it, but James, could you break it down a little bit more? What was this product announcement? Yeah, you had to put me on the spot, didn't you, Rob? So <laughs> I know I can't explain. I've got some notes that I'm not sure I want to read aloud. That's right. So, You're a resident Evolve expert on the panel. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, given. So, <laughs> the, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, right? But from what I've seen and kind of the conversations I've been a part of, essentially what it's going to allow is um, ultimately to kind of link in purchasing to the BIM model in a way, right? And be able just to get that process more streamlined and, um, you know, speak in the same languages as far as, you know, I want to order this part, right. And, and get this part exactly. And, and just making sure that you're, you're getting what you're needing based on that BIM model a little better. Um, but once I said that's really high level and for, for, I'm sure if Steve's on the call, he'll tell me I completely butchered it, but <laughs> that's, uh, that's my basic understanding. Right. No, but well, if- I mean, Jake, I got the gist of it, though, of like, again, just understanding that the supply chain really of the MEP contractor and kind of their right. their centric view of the world of detailing to fabrication to delivery to install and kind of all those different data pieces that, that need to come across and that you need to have the, these open APIs, these connectors that can talk between Revit or whatever your BIMCAD systems are. Um, and, and your other ERP and, and other systems. And so I think it, it's really cool. It's, you know, it's, you really tell that uh, the, the whole product is empathizing around, you know, the, the needs of the MEP contractor and really trying to connect those, those shared pains across that supply chain. It is trying to standardize, right? That's one thing that we mm-hmm. always struggle with is standardizing and, and then productize across the, the industry. So yes, we can all be speaking the same language. So when I order a, a widget from Nathan, I know what widget I'm getting. Yeah, I was going to say for, for me, it was almost kind of the last mile, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of the missing link in, in the workflow. I mean, you're, you're tracking your fabrication now, uh, more than likely, right? I mean, you're having the model there. So 
there, there's a lot of communication going on as far as downstream into the field, but there still is that disconnect with purchasing, right? So um, it, it is kind of cool to see that that link into that last mile effort, right? You're talking about buying stuff that's not on an Excel spreadsheet or on somebody's <laughs> desktop, right? We're talking it's a or, or sent to you in a text message. You know? right. Amazon yeah. for the yeah. job site? What? What? Yeah. One of the lines that I, I liked coming out of that keynote was that it's it's not it's more about the people and the the workflows and getting the technology to match that instead of the other way around and having the people in the workflows supporting the technology. Um, I know you guys are are a big believers in in that as well so love to get some comments on that well yeah i think it's a big deal like we a lot of times we try to we buy that software to, to be that silver bullet that i'm gonna i'm gonna buy i'm gonna buy microsoft excel and it's gonna solve all my problems right and we already we all know that that's not how it works that that you have to you have to have software that supports your efforts and not just tries to define them mm -hmm. for sure well let's move into some of the breakouts I know one of the uh, sessions that a lot of us sat in on was Mike Z and, and Jason Ashburns on how and why trades are, are teaching MEP designs. So, uh, you know, open floor for some comments there. I, I, I heard TLA uh, brought up <laughs> at least once or a couple of times. Uh, actually, not, not only in Mike Z's, but also uh, later on in, uh, in Jason's conversation uh, at the end of the day. Um, but uh, no, I, I thought the, the whole conversation around really th that need for communication, right? I mean, whether you're using your own, you know, internal company jargon or some other, you know, common standard, as long as we understand what those acronyms or not acronyms mean, um, and we're on the same page, I think there is that, that really is when we talk about culture, you know, everybody keeps saying culture, 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 you know, if, if you go to culture academy, culture equals language. And, and if we're not developing that language and investing in that, um, I think we really can't get to that next level. Um, so I think it has been really interesting discussions throughout today day that, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily one standard language, but we do have to define what that language is that we're going to connect all this data between and, and with. Yeah, as a union contractor, I would say that that's, you know, it's one of the things we tout as, as being a union contractor is we can, we can go to the halls and we can get really well, highly skilled trained people. And as we are starting to ask more of these, these tradespeople to, to do this stuff, it's, it's, I'm really pleased to see that the, the UA and, the, and those locals have started to, to train because they, you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, part of their product is the laborers, right? The laborers that they provide and, and they have to make sure that their product is, is serving our needs. And I'm really, you know, proud to be associated with Mike Z and, and Jason and those guys as, as they work with, um, you know, providing that really highly skilled labor force for us. Yeah, when I was it's an in amazing facility, if you've ever had a chance to go and see it, it's mind blowing, guys. I was lucky enough to be there one time and meet Mike and walk through and just see the level of training and the things that happen in that facility. Uh, Todd, it's one thing you might want to think of in 2021 or two. That could be an interesting place to host an event and really see how some of the training is done. It's it's an amazing facility, the work that they do there. I hope it's before 2022. I'm just yeah, I, I had a little heart attack there. I, <laughs> a stroke maybe. It's 2022, but hopefully it's 2021 in person again. Right. We'll see. Uh, when I was in that session, one of the things that stuck out to me was the, the need for uh, a champion to implement technology and, and really developing that plan that, you know, I feel like all too often people think of software as that silver bullet and then don't take time to 
map out what its implementation actually going to look like. And then it goes wrong or something goes crazy and people get frustrated with it and blame it on the software where it probably could have been solved a lot of that heartburn on the implementation side of things. Any tips for setting well, like, up and, a decent it, implementation? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the word that I learned was business requirements, right? Like if you don't understand mm. what your business requirements are, no technology is going to save you. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's step one. And it's kind of, and again, it goes hand in hand with the whole language concept that, yeah, if you don't understand what data matters, where it matters, how you're getting it, who's giving it to you, you know, all those things, the technology is not going to save that. But when you've done that map and you know how it should be, and then you found where those pain points are, then the technology can come in and solve that. But I think too often we're looking for the technology to solve the workflow and the business logic problems when really that's something that you have to figure out for yourself uh, b before the technology can really support it. Yeah, and I would actually raise one there. Um, and it's actually one that was brought up, a point that was brought up in the BIM Manager 101 class, right? Um, essentially, you know, training is really everything when it comes to software. I mean, how much money are you really investing into that software investment and just to turn right around and then struggle to implement it, right? And I mean, it's, it's, a, common, it's a common problem. I mean, we're, we're all from contracting, right? I mean, we're all wanting to be independent, wanting to be, you know, kind of our own champions, right? But, but for that same investment, I mean, it's really a, a given to make sure that that implementation's right. And really the core principle of that is making sure that training, right, is there. And maybe once that, that base is there, right, then you can kind of do more of that internal. Um, but, but yeah, training and, and then implementation, I mean, it really goes hand in hand for me. I feel like there's a lot of uh, upper management that doesn't understand the process that goes into it, though, because they want to buy a piece of software, implement it immediately, and they don't understand that it's not tweaked for your particular company. You actually have to get in there and modify it to your own needs. And whenever they're sitting there expecting to get a turnaround and return on investment immediately, I think that's just so uh, unrealistic. And... I think there needs to be some education on, on their part to understand that it, this is not a turnkey solution that's just going to be uh, something that jumps out and starts producing for you right away. You know, Kyle, one of the things that, you know, I always have tried to preach and ever since I first discovered it, um, and I butcher it every time, I'm sure, but it's called the Pareto principle, which essentially is that, um, uh, what is it? 80% of causes or 80% of causes call tw cause 20% of the problems or vice versa, right? Essentially, if you have a solution, especially in technology that fills 80% of the needs, statistically, it's worth the investment, right? Um, and you see a lot of that struggle, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, the tech sector is a service sector, right? There's nothing wrong with expecting the best and wanting the best um, out of your investment. But you also have to be realistic about those capabilities. And and kind of realize, you know, where those improvements can be made, maybe even internally by pairing it with other things too, right? No, I'm, I'm talking, I mean, yes, I understand what you're saying, but even though it addresses 80% of your needs, a piece of software might, you still have your own internal standards that you have to uh, oh, for guide, sure. guide yeah. the software to, to produce your right. standards. So you still have the implementation that you have to get it all set up. Yeah, yeah, I follow. Well, I... I I find it interesting. One of the things I combat all the time is, you know, when are we going to be done? When are you going to be done with sales? When are you going to be done with improving your company and your processes? You know what I mean? D squared. D squared. We're never done. The database <laughs> is never done. 
you know, the implementation is, you know, we're going to be improving, adding, you know, enhancing the workflow, you know, it just, it's just okay, we're going to, you know, even when they do do training, they have somebody come in, spend a day, a week, whatever, and then they walk away and they never look back. And it's like, you know, I, one of the things I want to start doing is building in some tra annual training as part of software renewals. Just, you know, have somebody come back once a year. Where do we go off the rails? What's the next, you know, layer of the onion we can get to? Well, Darren, one of the things that I've been done. One of the things I've been pushing on, and this is, is you know, you have suppliers like Apply, they're doing a great job. You have other suppliers that do the same thing, but this this role of the custom customer success manager that is kind of popping up. Um, that's what we've been doing here is leaning more on more on them to have recurring calls. You know, I can't be the only one that's sitting there reading all the release notes and making sure we're running around and implementing and getting done with all this, right? So. Um, there's a lot of software vendors here, so hopefully they, they hear this too, but you know, um, you need to be working with your customers a lot more to make sure that we're getting the full value out of our product or, or um, you know, you're gonna, have, you're gonna have those executives that think that they just bought it, implemented it and done it and it fails and they're just gonna write it off and not wanna try the next thing. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. I think it goes back. It's important to have that conversation on the front side of what are you trying to get out of this and have all the stakeholders there in that conversation or as much as possible so that everybody's on the same page at the beginning. This is the goal. This is the process that we're going to go. And to Darren's point, it's, it's a continual process. You know, it's, it's not a, when we get here, we've reached the promised land and we can, you know, go back on, on cruise control and take it easy. It's a process. Well, and not everybody learns the same either. You know, you got trainings, you got webinars, you've got knowledge bases, you've got in-app guides. Like, I mean, Travis, you nailed it. It's got to be all the time. It can't just be like once a year on a renewal. I mean, somebody might need to learn it three times before it actually sticks. Well, that's where boots on the ground help too. I, you know, I just happened to be in somebody's office and <laughs> so much for digital workflow. I watched them individually open PDF after PDF from their email, one at a time, save it to disk, open it up one at a time in Bluebeam and print one at a time. It's like, well, they're, they're, we're digital. <laughs> and you know, those are things you, you can't necessarily train for some of that. It's just one of those things that you kind of kind of watch over people's shoulders and notice and, you know, make a note of it. And, you know, now that's a good tip. You know, how do, how do I do this faster? Put together a tip, now email it to people. But yeah, uh, just get around. You know, that that's what some of your vendors, if they show up, uh, if you can get them to show up once or twice a year for a day, they're going to notice those things and point them out to you. Hey, you know, I, you know, same thing. We bought a machine. We were looking at machinery before we did some shop upgrades. You know, one of the vendors at the company he was tour bringing us to to tour. Hey, this is, hey, what? They're not even using this right. Yeah. Um, so the, those vendors can be pretty, pretty helpful, I think. Well, and that's really a, that leads me a... to a tip I, I grabbed from um, the industrialization or the agile um, breakout session was, you know, to get out there where the work actually happens to try to understand it before you change it. 
Um, and that, that goes back to Nathan's comment about, um, you know, the kind of the business analysis and, and implementing software and stuff is, is to make sure that you understand what they're actually trying to do before you try to just push a product on them and into, um, to the point we were making earlier too about, um, you know, just dropping in and let it go. You really need to make sure you understand those processes before, before you do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to add to that a little bit in the fact that um, doing like a proof of concept or something um, where you basically, the vendor gets challenged to do that, you know, by the end of 90 days, did you learn how they make money or not? And is this going to add value to them? I think that's a really important process to really do internally or externally as you're bringing in new software. Finding yeah. out how, how processes have evolved and how things came to be sometimes is important too with understanding the culture and just, I guess it helps you, uh, it helps me anyway, understand people a little bit better. Okay, so this is screwed up. I see why you're doing it, but how did it get this way? You know, it, sometimes it helps me implement change better if I understand how something became the way it is. You know, I'll add one thing there and it's, you know, kind of piggybacking on it more than anything. I mean, you can take that internally as well, right? That same approach of, um, you know, linking in your entire company, you know, your champions for innovation and from the field to the office to, you know, PMs and, and kind of making that, that stakeholder for the whole company to evaluate those solutions and kind of meet, you know, quarterly or whatever it is to make sure that you're all pursuing those same things. You're all on the same page. And because oftentimes there's crossover, right? I mean, at the end of the day, Revit add-ins, just as an example, right? Um, you know, they ultimately affect the field as well, right? And they're deliverable. So it's just good to kind of get that overall vision. So you can, the whole point is you can kind of take that internally sometimes as well, right? As far as linking in all those parts and, and those challenges. Throw something out, uh, reverse engineering workflow, right? You know, you know, as a, as a vendor, you know, software, we reverse the engineering of the process of workflow and what that allows us to do is better understand exactly what you're talking about from the end accomplishments, accomplishments, you know, and that reverse engineering has allowed us to be connected, be out in the field, see what you guys are talking about, you know, being amongst the people and saying, this is how you correct it. Here are the people, because a lot of times people on the software side are just making something to make money, right? They're not really listening to what's going to be the success of the goal. So, I appreciate a lot of this information. It makes me think of something that David Francis brought up in the BIM Manager 101 when he was talking about knocking down the silos, whether it's you know interdepartmental or union versus non-union or even among all the different trades themselves and, and really opening up conversation and having that conversation um, you know, across all spectrums and really being open in that conversation, not just you know, marking territories and stuff, but having an, an open and real dialogue. I know, Nathan, that's something that is a, maybe a, a passion of yours and a hot button. But Well, and, and sort of on a related note, uh, in Mike Z's conversation, he, he uh, turned, turned me on to this uh, Feynman technique that uh, if you scroll way up through the uh, Tofurky and other, I don't know, what, <laughs> you got to check out this chat. It's pretty funny. But I put a link way up there, uh, higher up of the uh, Feynman technique. 
that is really a, a way of really reassuring yourself that you understand this process. If, if, if I can explain to someone in this format of, you know, say that they're a six-year-old or sixth grade or whatever love you want to say um, and identify where are they not understanding that because if they know nothing about this, you know, you should be able to explain it at that simple enough level for them to understand, especially when it comes to technology. And so for us as technologists, I think when we get really frustrated about, you know, why is this stuff not working? You know, half of it's, yeah, it's because those that don't get it, don't get it. But it's also the other half is because we're not explaining it well enough and, and really using these platforms to get better at explaining and making those points to the right people. And I mean, Amy did a phenomenal job on, on the first day of really articulating kind of the key ROI points and how you convince those different stakeholders why they should change their paradigm and do both DFMA and prefab. Um, cause they're not the same. I know I've learned that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think really going through that Feynman technique, really understanding, uh, the language and, and developing the culture. I mean, that's, that to me is the theme that I continue to hear from all these conversations. One thing I'd add that I learned from, uh, uh David Francis last year when he and uh, John Mack presented at MEP for us was he uh, expects training, of a new software to be three times the cost of the actual software. So to put that in perspective for a, a, a you know a sales guy for technology, it's like, no, no, but it's only five grand. It's half the cost of glue, whatever. But yeah, but it's it's still it's a shift in education and training for an entire group. And that group could be, you know, a couple people. It could, if you're you know trying to integrate the field too, there's that pain as well. So um, you know, from a vendor side, keeping that in, in mind when you're saying, well, we're cheaper than X, but if they've been on X for so long, um, it's a, you know, essentially a paradigm shift in some cases to move to a new platform. So um, it's not just, uh, you know, to an earlier comment, it's not just the software, the cost of the software, it's training beyond that. Well, that's yeah, another, could, lean, another uh, lean TLA is uh, CBA, choosing by advantages, not uh, cost benefit analysis, because yeah, it's, it's less about focusing on the single cost and more about the holistic look at the advantages. Yeah, good point, Mark. But, but I think that, uh, 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 sorry, Jeff had a good point yesterday in his, his session was the growth mindset and wanting and being willing to change. I think there's a lot of people who just have that negative attitude that their way is the best way and they do not want change. So getting out there and actually trying to get to those people and convince them that change, I think that is a huge hurdle that is, uh, we've struggled with big time. And there's always the idea that uh, we've always done it a certain way. And, you know, having said that, we have to, you know, be up on technology. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. I wanted to bring up a point when uh, Mark mentioned about, uh, you know, the cost of training. There's little cost of training if you get some of these softwares into the training centers that are sitting across the United States, States and Canada. I think there's a huge advantage to reaching out to those training centers and say, hey, I have some software and I would love for you guys to try it out and get that into those training centers. That is going to reduce your cost of training on those softwares without a doubt. I think that the, the training is important and the communication is important and the, the culture is important like we talked about because I think that what we're seeing a lot of and I, I you know I'll point to two sessions I had in this afternoon with uh, with Said and Trent and then um, Josh Cheney and, and Jeff Sample that 
what they're all centered around, both of those sessions, both of those talks we're talking about is getting the information to the people in the right place at the right time. Um, but to make that all happen, you do have to have that open and clear communication. You do have to have that training and everything in front. You know, we're all trying to get, what we're all pushing for is we're pushing for to get this information out, right? You know, the democratization of the model, like Nathan likes to say, and all this other stuff. But it does come back to that training. We need to make sure that the people that, that we're trying to put, put the information in the hands of actually know how to use it. Autodesk Construction Cloud helps mechanical, electrical, and plumbing contractors win more work productively every day. The world's leading specialty contractors rely on Autodesk Construction Cloud to increase collaboration, mitigate risk, and reduce rework as they deliver complex work faster. With Autodesk Construction Cloud, teams are able to win more work by tracking bid invites and managing workloads all from one place. Increase efficiency by standardizing on common communication and documentation processes across all projects. Capture a complete history of work and ensure fast, complete payment. For mechanical, electrical, plumbing contractors, this results in more productive field and office teams, delivering value and exceeding customer expectations and better business outcomes. Win more work, mitigate risk, ensure quality, and connect your crews all through Autodesk Construction Cloud. Learn more at construction.autodesk.com. They are also a sponsor at this year's MEP Force Virtual 2020 Conference. But Travis, it makes me think of something that you had mentioned right before we, we started recording with the Agile Construction Breakout with the question of uh, why aren't we doing what we know we should be doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was something I took away from there is, is um, you know, we talk about all this stuff and I think that we all know what, what we want to be doing. So yeah, why aren't we? What is, what is really holding us back? That's my question to the entire group. Answer that right now. Yeah. I was too busy finding a barbecue background. <laughs> Everybody's screwing around on Zoom now. <laughs> this is what happens when you get this, this many of us all together in a big room. <laughs> well, but if you guys look, you know, Tim, you said something really interesting there um, on the chat around all the other barbecue stuff, which by the way, I think I had a hand in, which it's lunchtime, you know, it's later than lunchtime, it's happy hour, we should be doing this all together, having these conversations, but you make a good point, old way equals someone else's fault if it doesn't work, new way means it's my fault, right, and that's where that risk taking comes in, I mean, I've talked to so many of you that are here and along the way, you are risk takers, but that's a, an odd spot. And that's, you know, when I talked about it the other day, that's that culture, right? That's leadership being there to support you, whether you fall over or get it right. It doesn't matter which software I pick. There's an opportunity for me to fail in doing what I'm doing. And that is my fault, but I need to be supported enough to know that, that doesn't mean you're going to kick dirt on me when I'm down. So, um, I, Tim, I like that, man. That That's a really cool piece I hadn't even thought of before. So really cool. Uh, Jeff, how do, you, how do you suggest people go about actually getting upper management to push from the top down as opposed to trying to push it up? Because it seems like a lot of these ideas are great, but they're being pushed from the bottom. And that's a huge struggle when upper management isn't going to support it and get you to implement it. 
You know, I wish I had the silver bullet. I mean, Travis, I think you asked a question just like that. If I had that silver bullet, I would, I give it to you, but you know, I think COVID and if we're, if we're looking in 2020 for ways COVID has helped us, uh, it's really put, especially the trade contractor back into a very vulnerable position. We're going into a very vulnerable world next year. Um, I, I forget who it was, whose session I was sitting in and I apologize. I've been jumping in and out, but you know, talked about um, slim margins coming and, and the shift when things are bad, you know, it goes the other way and, and we're gonna be on the short end of really out trying to outbid each other. And that's how design bid build started, right? So are we gonna be forced back into that world um, in order to survive? I, I think those of us who are gonna thrive have to our leadership has to be convinced that that's the only way they can make it. I know I'm out there all the time trying to tell them it's coming and um, you'll see a graphic and something I'm gonna use where it really feels like every door I'm knocking on just to talk, people are battening down the hatches and expecting to pull a blanket over their heads and lay on the ground and expect this thing to blow over. This thing ain't gonna blow over, it's not. And unfortunately, like the train's coming and not everybody's gonna make it. I, I hate to tell you that I've talked to lots of companies, not everybody's going to make it through this. So I, I'd like to tell you it's a fluffy carrot I can give you, but it might be the world stick that's coming your way. Some of it, I think, I mean, you just got to be bold, the, you know, bottom up kind of what Travis is talking about, or, or even Tim, like if you've got a great idea and I mean, you know, if somebody came to me and said, Hey, I've got this awesome idea and, I want to try it out. And if I fail, I'll share why I failed. And if I'm successful, I want to share that with the rest of the company. I mean, what leader is going to say no to that, especially if it's, you know, something that's innovative and, you know, hopefully not too cost and, in, in, you know, intensive, but you know, it's that culture of like, all right, I'm going to be bold and try it and see what happens and be willing to fail and be willing to succeed. Leads back to what we were talking about yesterday in the, in the whole culture and, and being able to, to accept failure. Yeah, definitely. So we got a couple minutes left of our podcasting session before we, we crank open the margaritas and barbecue. <laughs> uh, any other highlights from day two of MEP Force? Actually, uh, I think this virtual thing is very nice. Uh, we can hear both sides from uh, vendors. We can hear from the actually clients. Uh, we, we couldn't have this in their actual events. So <laughs> the fact that we hear uh, what our clients need in terms of the customer success and support, you know, this is great feedback. Uh, and uh, uh, I think sometimes virtual is better than actual. <laughs> and uh, the fact that we have this conversation, uh, I really like it. So it's great. Yeah, kudos you, Todd, and the rest of the team. 172 folks on, on right now, uh, all chatting. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a lot of faces, and uh, yeah. it's, uh, you can feel like we're creating a movement here. This is very cool. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, I, I love the, and this happens in the sessions too, but I love how we have our conversations over here. And I don't know how many people have multiple screens, but I have our conversation over here, <laughs> and then the chat going on over here, and it's, it's, uh, it's definitely fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jason, forever though. <laughs> yeah. No, let's, I, let's I would actually like to see some of you people in, in person. Some of you people. <laughs> some of you can stay remote. <laughs> can we stay keep on the that six screen over there? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be subjective. <laughs> hey, 
Hey, Jason and Kyle, though, you guys both asked a cool question. You brought something up about being bold, taking risks and doing those things. Something I want to say, though, is look around at how many of us have changed where we are over time for being bold. Realize in this industry, there's a lack of talent. So be bold. And those of you who are out there that can snatch them up if they get cut, be ready to snatch them up, right? We can support each other inside our organizations or outside our organizations. And I haven't seen any good ones really fall and leave the industry. So be bold, be strong and, and take risks, man. That's the only way one of us is going to help disrupt. Well, all of us are going to pull the rope in the same direction to disrupt this thing. I like it. Well, we're going to end the podcasting segment there. Thanks for all the, the comments and uh, input from everybody. That was awesome. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at asti.com for more information. You can also access MEP Force by going to mepforce.com. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating.